welcome to the Wild Grown Wisdom Podcast. I'm Vinita Mohan, your host and a licensed marriage and family therapist from the Bay Area, California, specializing in trauma and attachment repair. I'm also a certified EMDR specialist and a certified shamanic practitioner. Beyond therapy, I create spaces for authentic connections, teach workshops, blog, and offer spiritual healing. Being a therapist and a healer is my life's calling, and I look forward to sharing my journey with you. In this episode, we'll explore the historical erasure of ancient matrilineal cultures that revere the sacred feminine universally. We'll examine the consequences of this imbalance on politics, society, culture, psychology, spirituality, and the environment. We'll also consider how restoring this balance is crucial for the survival of the human race. This October, Indians around the globe completed their celebration of the Festival of Nine Nights, Navratri, to venerate the sacred feminine. In very ancient civilizations, there was a sacred balance between the masculine and the feminine energies, known as yin-yang, anima-animus, prakriti-purusha, and so on. Over the past 3,000 years or more, This balance has been systematically eroding due to the rise of the patriarchy. In today's political, cultural, social, and ecological climate, we can see this imbalance playing out violently. Therefore, this fall festival is particularly very dear to my heart. These nine days and nights dedicated to venerating all forms of the sacred feminine also trace the ascension of consciousness. The mythological story is that the sacred feminine is meditating on the sacred masculine, which culminates in the divine union on the 10th day. What happens during this time? On the first three days and nights, we start with prayers to the dark feminine, Kali. The colors often associated with this energy called tamas in Sanskrit, or blue or black. We pray to the Divine Mother these three nights to help us face our shadow, the parts of us we keep hidden, undernourished or repressed. In order to do this, we need the courage, strength and ferocity displayed by the warrior goddess Kali, who dances in cremation grounds wearing her skull necklace. The symbolic meaning of this image is that one needs a tremendous amount of tenacity and courage to travel into the dark neighborhoods of the personal unconscious. And if we are going into dangerous neighborhoods, it is better to go armed with divine grace. As St. Francis says, where there is darkness, let me bring light. With the grace of the Mahakali, the great Kali, we defeat those dark forces, tamas, within us that often leave us feeling stuck, alone, depressed, anxious, hopeless, and helpless. The next three nights are dedicated to the goddess of abundance and prosperity, goddess Mahalakshmi. 
Once we have eliminated our shadows with courageous compassion, we are now ready to welcome abundance and prosperity into our lives. Abundance of good health, creativity, material wealth, spiritual wealth, personal and social power flow towards us and expand our consciousness. The color used to represent this energy, called rajas, is often red. Red is an auspicious color in many East and Southeastern traditions. This is the period of great creativity and birthing many new endeavors, always with the intention of benefiting the highest good of self and others. The final three nights are dedicated to the goddess of wisdom, Maha Saraswati. Here, energy is pure wisdom, sattva, represented by the color white which, as we know, contains all other colors within it. Ascending from darkness into creative abundance, we finally rest in stillness and silence, embodying this wisdom that all is one. A simple example from daily life depicts this journey. In Indian villages, we grow our own food organically. When you harvest the vegetables and grains from your garden, they are dirty and need to be cleaned out first. Then, we cook the rice and vegetables together in an open fire in clay pots. As the raw ingredients are getting cooked with spices, it makes a lot of noise in the boiling water. Once the food is fully cooked, it softens and quietens, simmering and finally resting in silence. Even though it is still now, its aroma fills the house and spills onto the streets, drawing people towards the food. Similarly, as our minds are churned and purified, we become more and more still and go into deep silence. The quiet presence thus embodied by us draws many towards our heart light. So in the final stages of expansion of our consciousness, we sit still, embrace the silence, and enjoy the bliss of doing in non-doing. At the end of these nine days of purification and ascension of consciousness, the creative force, Shakti, is ready to unite with Shiva, the ground of pure potentiality. Together, they create this material universe as their love child. By learning to unite these two forces within us on a daily basis, we too can manifest such divine creation from the simple acts of everyday ordinariness to becoming change agents creating history. The Rise and Fall of Goddess Worship In her book, Goddesses and Older Women, the Jungian psychiatrist, Jean Shinoda Bolan traces back to a time in history about 5,000 to 25,000 years ago where goddess worship was universal in Europe and other parts of the world. The great goddess was a trinity, maiden, mother, crone. She was immortal and eternal. She was worshipped as the feminine life force. All life came from her and returned to her. She was the embodiment of nature as the creator, sustainer, and destroyer of life. She was like the moon in her cycles and like the earth in her seasons. 
women were in the image of the goddess because they too brought forth life. The fertile earth and the fertility of women were valued. Sexuality was a natural instinct and a pleasure. Society was matrifocal and matrilinear because everyone knew their mother and siblings, but not necessarily their father. But then, nomadic invaders came from the north and east and destroyed this beautiful civilization in Europe that venerated the sacred feminine. Patriarchy began to take over. At the height of patriarchy in Europe, the Inquisition was established in 1252 by by Pope Innocent IV, which targeted women who were considered powerful, intuitive, and the embodiment of the sacred feminine. Torture and persecution of women was officially sanctioned for five and a half centuries until it was abolished in 1816. During this time, it is estimated that over a hundred thousand to as many as eight million women were burned at the stake as witches, writes Dr. Bolin. Who were targeted? The women who were most feared or respected became the target of persecution. These were primarily women who were midwives, healers, people who practiced herbal medicine, intuitive women, women with authority, independence, knowledge, widowed women who had property, women who were considered eccentric, those who dared to be outliers and draw outside the lines, and older women. In order to survive, women, especially older women, needed to go unnoticed, be undistinguished, and do their best to stay invisible. These fears continue to echo in women even today and are heightened in certain cultures more than in others. When I read these historical facts, I was filled with righteous anger and a deep anguish for our collective loss as women and men. I believe that the state of the world today is due to the imbalance created by toxic patriarchy and the loss of the sacred feminine in our psyche. We have decimated Mother Earth and her resources, systematically erased the gifts of the sacred feminine, both in men and women, used violence to silence opposing voices to get our entitled needs met. Mental health is at an all-time crisis level in all parts of the world. Women continue to be persecuted and their rights stripped away systematically. If we keep going this way, there will not be a future for our children or grandchildren. Or we will leave them a broken, dark, decimated planet to perish in. This thought is very depressing to me. How can we restore this balance? We can restore this balance in a variety of ways, big and small, across many dimensions. In our everyday life, we can make environmentally conscious choices by venerating the land that we live in and remembering that Mother Earth is a conscious living being who is generously sharing her resources with us. We belong to nature, 
not the other way around. We can become more politically aware and educate ourselves about the policies and laws in our respective countries, especially those that affect women and marginalized populations. We can be upstanders and not bystanders in our society and appeal to our lawmakers to make more inclusive policies. Let us remember that we are all connected and what affects one affects all. Through psychotherapy, meditation, prayers and rituals, we can heal both the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine within us. Every human has both these psychological traits in them. The sacred feminine traits of nurturance, intuition, imagination, stillness, contemplation, compassion can guide the sacred masculine traits of courage, clarity, productivity, rationality, action, adventure, and so on. As an example, the shame researcher Dr. Brené Brown has often highlighted that there is no courage, masculine, without vulnerability, feminine. The two go hand in hand as to rationality, masculine, and intuition, feminine, action, masculine, and rest, feminine. These are everyday examples of the union of the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine within, which when embodied, restore balance to our well-being. Our minds and bodies operate in a socio-cultural context, so it becomes imperative for us to consistently evaluate the cultural portals through which we perceive ourselves and others and to become aware of the cultural editors of our life. Ask yourself every day, Who taught me how to think? Who taught me how to feel? Who taught me how to perceive? Who taught me how to act? Whose voices are in my head every day directing me and scripting my life? Without asking these uncomfortable questions, we are all doomed to just live life on autopilot like programmed robots. An unexamined life is an unlived life. In conclusion, it is high time for us to right this imbalance and venerate the sacred feminine by restoring her to her rightful place in our hearts, minds, and in our societies. It is only through this restoration that the wounded masculine can heal. This podcast series and all the other work that I do in my life is my small contribution towards this restoration. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wild Crone Wisdom. In this series, we delve into the journey of our spiritual essence having a human experience. While many social scientists study human emotions, thoughts and behaviors, and others explore transcendental experiences, few bridge the gap to help embody spiritual wisdom in everyday life. I call this the psycho-spiritual path. Through this podcast, I hope to share bite-sized practical insights for navigating life as an empowered sovereign being. Please be advised, the information provided in the Wild Crone Wisdom podcast is intended for general information purposes only. Vinita Mohan is a licensed therapist and healer 
However, the content shared in this podcast does not replace or constitute professional advice, therapy, or counseling. It is essential to consult with a qualified mental health professional for personalized guidance regarding your unique circumstances. Thank you.